Woke up quick at about noon. What's good, baby? Welcome in to the latest edition of the podcast with Damian Barling here on the Be Heard podcast platform presented by our friends over at Vibe Health Bar. Just made a recent stop at Vibe. Stocked up on birthday suit, which is my favorite green juice for those who've been listening for a long time. For those who haven't been listening for a long time, welcome in. Quick note here. Uh, this is not Vote Like Your Life Depends On It, part three. That's going to come out on Monday. It's already recorded. It's already set. It's already ready to be released for you. It's going to come out Monday at midnight, our final conversation with Kamara Williams. It's coming out the day before the election. Uh, I honestly, I wanted to do a regular podcast. I realized I hadn't done it in a few weeks. I had been doing the the series with uh, Kamara, which I hope you guys have enjoyed. Uh, I hope you guys got something out of it. But I just wanted to do a sports podcast, a sports podcast in which I'm drinking Terramana because that's what. So here's the thing. I thought Terramana Talks was a lot of fun. And my idea was definitely not for it to be a weekly thing. And then I told you, well, I recorded a second one the very next week. So I already started to play out the gimmick. But I realized with the. With the pre and post on Sunday. Like, unless I'm recording, I I need a day, man, where I'm just, like, not recording something. I need a day where I'm not doing something. And right now, the only day that I have that is Saturday. So, the idea is, at the end of the day, uh, and I actually record two podcasts. This is the second podcast I'm recording uh, here on Friday night. It's October 30th. I don't know what day you're listening to this, but I'm trying to tell you what day I'm recording it. It is 537 right now. On Friday, October 30th, I've got my first glass of Terramana. I've got Pepsi Zero Sugar here in an entirely different cup, which is a horrible habit that I'm so angry. I don't know how or why. I went years, 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 maybe, what year is it, 20? Maybe close to a full decade without drinking any sort of soda beverage whatsoever. And I mean like Coke Zero, Pepsi Zero, diet this, diet that. I would occasionally, uh, depending on where I was, I would have a, um, what do you call it? A fountain drink. I would occasionally have a fountain drink. And most of the time it wasn't like Pepsi or Coke. It was like, you know, the vegan restaurants to have like strawberry fruit fizzle. I would have that. Or lemonade fruit fizzle. I would have that. I don't know why or how or when I've gotten back into having a soda. And it's gotten, like, it used to be like, all right, like, I'll have it. I had this, like, healthy, you know, type soda where it's, it's cleaner. It's, I think it's called Virgil's. And then it morphed into, like, that shit, like, $7 for a six-pack. Like, it's not cheap. And then I stumbled across this Pepsi Zero Sugar thing, which I've had Coke Zero before, but I always like Pepsi. I had this Pepsi Zero Sugar thing. And now I just like, I don't drink it every day. I drink it far from every day, but now I drink it more than when I'm having a glass of Terramana, which I'm doing right now. And I reminded myself I need to get to BevMo quickly because election day is coming and my liquor cabinet needs to be stocked. So cheers, first of all. And so I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here. And I realize like I'm, this is probably going to be the new podcast. Like Terramana talks. And I made it a point, I think the first episode, I had my first drink and then I started recording. 
And I topped it off a little bit and then came and sat down. I wanted to be more honest and genuine to the podcast where I didn't have a drink before the show started. So as we progressively talk longer, I'll get more lit. And I don't, and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not condoning or celebrating the use of alcohol. You drink, you drink. Great. This is how I cope with shit. And 2020 stuff. And the election is a couple of days away. And I don't think Donald's losing. I don't care how many times Kamara says it. I don't think he's losing. So, I drink. Again, I don't condone it. I don't celebrate it. But if you drink, you drink. And I need to stock up my liquor cabinet before Tuesday. It was an interesting day in terms of politics. I saw Brett Favre tweeting about Donald Trump. Like, that's not really surprising. I mean, he did a fucking Wranglers commercial. Like, give me a break. Like, it's like the least. Oh, Brett Favre endorsed Donald Trump. Like, yeah, it's sky is blue. Like, it doesn't surprise me. It's hard to even be mad at. Lil Wayne is the same guy who said, you know, Black Lives Matter isn't a thing to me because I'm rich. So him supporting Donald Trump doesn't surprise me. It's not a, like, I, and that's the, you know, like I don't care who supports Donald Trump. I love that I said I was doing a sports podcast and I'm leading with like election stuff. This is not the election podcast that comes out on Monday. I just want to get this off my chest. I don't care that Lil Wayne supports Donald Trump. I don't care if Ice Cube supports Donald Trump. He doesn't. I don't think that he does. At least he says that he doesn't. I certainly don't give a damn what 50 Cent thinks. You're you're welcome to your opinion. You're, you're showing your ass a little bit. I, I think I said this to you before. If you've felt like, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. He's different. And you believed he was going to bring change in 2016. I don't fault you. I, I question you, but I don't fault you. Like, all right. Do you know better now? Like, that's my question to you. So that's where, like, the, the stuff with, like, Brett Favre and, and, and these people. And it's not even Brett Favre. It, it's guy on the corner. Like, you really think after all of this that he's the guy who, and it, it cracks me up because if you ask one of them, hey, what makes Donald Trump great to you? I'm, I'm what did, uh, Nichols, did Jack Nicholas, I'm voting for the side that's going to make America great. Oh, okay. I mean, he's had like three years to do it and look at where we're at. We're in our freaking house. Like, I'm doing a radio show inside a house because we can't wrap our hands around the global pandemic. But good news, because the vaccine is on its way. It's just a couple of weeks away. What a coincidence. What a, what a coincidence. You know what else has been a couple of weeks away? Since 2016. Dead, dead, dead serious. There, you could look up any audio clip you want to. You know what else is a couple of weeks away? His replacement for the Affordable Health Care Act. Of course, he doesn't call it that. He calls it Obamacare. He's replacement for Obamacare. It's just a couple of weeks away. We'll have it really soon. Said that in 2016. 17, 18, 19. He said it on that 2020 interview. The one that was a couple of weeks ago. It's a couple of weeks away. Just like the vaccine now. It's a couple of weeks away. We're rounding the corner. We're going to wipe out this pandemic quick. Okay, fam. I'll use that as the segue because I do want to talk about sports. We spent so much damn time talking about the 49ers this week and the 49ers and Seahawks. And I'll talk about every damn football game on the, on the, on the docket this week, except that one. Like we're the home of the 49ers and we have a job to like really, you know, showcase that relationship. And it's our local football team. And dude, I'm, I'm, I'm 49ers out. Even I know I'm excited for the game. I'm excited for 49ers Seahawks. I got to talk about it for a couple of more hours coming up on Sunday, but I'm not going to use it here for this podcast. So if you want to hear about the 49ers and the Seahawks, radio.com app, search ESPN 1320, hit the heart, 
go to the homepage, D-Lo and Casey podcast, boom. You could hear everything you could possibly want to hear about the Seahawks and the 49ers. This is a good slate of games this week. I mentioned, you know, we were. <laughs> I, I wanted to use the transition into sports, but I want to start with the World Series. You know, I said coming out of the global pandemic, and it's amazing. This should be such a goodwill week. Or, I mean, the 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 news cycle moves really fast. So maybe it should be like a goodwill couple of days for Major League Baseball. Because they were really up against it in the first, what, I think it was the first weekend. The first weekend of their their restart, the first weekend of their, their bubble, or it wasn't a bubble, the first weekend of their season, was the Miami Marlins thing. Like, they didn't even get through the first weekend before before that outbreak happened. And it was bad. And I think it was the middle of the following week, Rob Manfred said, well, if the players don't get a handle on this, we'll just cancel the season. I thought that was kind of a weak thing to do. Because, like, y'all didn't, y'all weren't ready for this. Like, you, you would cut you, the old phrase, you would call it with your pants down. But it seemed to have worked because we had the Cardinals situation and then we had a little scare with the Giants. Something happened with the A's once. There were like a few things here and there. But the season, for the most part, it got, it got, it got completed. It, 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 it went off without any further hitches. And then you got into the bubble situations that were happening in the playoffs and it was perfect. Like clockwork. Like no problem. Like, okay, nice job, guys. And what was everybody saying? Well, this bubble, we've shown in the NBA in the WNBA, in soccer, we've shown here in Major League Baseball that the bubble works. Until Game 6 of the World Series. And that is, again, the Dodgers, their big moment. Right? They've waited for this since 1988. They had the loss to the Astros. They've had the playoff failures. Everything that Clayton Kershaw has had to deal with. Dave Roberts has been the manager for five years. He was brought in for the sole purpose of this moment of winning the World Series. And somehow in the eighth inning, Justin Turner gets removed because he tested positive for COVID. I was like, like, damn, this brings new meaning to like seventh inning stretch. Was this like a seventh inning stretch test? Of course it wasn't. He was tested before the game. And this is something that has absolutely fascinated me. And it's not just baseball, but they got tested before the game. And and this happened recently in football, and I'm trying to remember. The Patriots. It happened with the Patriots, where you got tested before the game, but you didn't get the results until after. Or in the Dodgers' case, in the case of Major League Baseball, you got it in the eighth inning. Explain to your boy... Like, what good that does? Like, what are you accomplishing? (laughs) We're stringently testing everybody, and we've got these protocols to follow. Like, that's great. But what are you accomplishing if you're not getting the results before the game is played? Because the idea of doing the test is to eliminate the spread of the virus. Like, if you've got someone who tests positive, you get them away from the team, you isolate them, you're supposed to seclude the team and test them a second time. But you can't do any of that if you're getting the results mid-game, as the case of the World Series. And in the Patriots situation I'm speaking of, they got the results after the game was over, and they were on their plane on the plane on the way back. 
I just, I, I don't get how that works. And, and the reason I don't get how it works is because it doesn't. So you've got what was really, I mean, and I mean, obviously the incredible ending to game four, right? And then you've got this, you've got this game six, which is really close. And up until that moment, the talking point coming out of that game was going to be how analytics have destroyed baseball, how analytics potentially destroyed the Tampa Bay's Rays chance to win that game. And I recognize, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays likely got to where they are, the World Series, because of analytics. Like, this was a team with, you know, one of the lowest payrolls in Major League Baseball. This was a team that scored an astonishing percentage. I think in the postseason alone, it was the the last time I had it, which I think was in game four, it was before the start of game four, 71% of their runs were scored off home runs. Like they did not hit to get on base, which is amazing because in game four, that's exactly what they did. They hit to get on base. They, they, they just, they played, they didn't play the analytic game. They didn't play. I equated it on D'Lo and KC. I equated it to the Houston Rockets. Going well, three is more than two, so that's the game that we're going to play. We've got three point shooters. The analytics say, I mean, hell, you don't even need analytics to know three is more than two. If we got better three point shooters, we're going to shoot a higher percentage than you on most nights. And so the Rays looked at it like, well, if we hit a home run, that's a that's a point, that's a run, that's a score. But if we hit a single, well, we're relying on someone else to do the work. Or if we hit a double, well, we might have runners on one and third, uh, runners on first and third. What's that matter? So they were playing the game of all or nothing until game four. They had the more hits. I think they had more hits in game four than they had in like the last two series in, in a single game. And so you get here into the sixth inning, and I had spent that day talking about what a fascinating position in, what a fascinating position you're in if you're the manager in game six. If you're Kevin Cash, you're down 3-2. And it, and it, and it, and it's fascinating. You know, it's a, it's a unique, it's a really unique situation. Unlike, you know, basketball, unlike basketball or hockey, because with, 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 with basketball or hockey, you've got, you've got your guys, you've got your guys and, and, and they're out there and they're doing their thing and, the, and, and it doesn't change. But with baseball, as I take a little sip here with baseball, you've got to deal with the pitcher situation. And so if you're Dave Roberts, you're looking at it like the like, okay, we want to end this. We we can't leave it up to chance. Anything can happen in a game seven. We've lost too many times in this position. We have got to end this. But in Dave Roberts' case, there's that safety net. You can lose. Oh, it's a must-win game. Well, no, there are very few must-win games in all the sports. The Rays. Game six was a must-win game. And it creates this situation where, okay, Kevin Cash, how are you going to approach this? Because you've got to win this game. Because if you don't, there's nothing else to even talk about. But in the back of your head, you got like, oh. Like, I can't throw it all out there because we've got a game. We might have a game seven tomorrow. Kevin Cash plays the analytics game. And it kills him. 
I mean, on the very same battery. It kills them. And they, you have heard guys spending days and, 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 I would the third time around the lineup and the numbers say this and the numbers say that. And it's like, yo, Snell is cooking, man. Let him go. And so the topic for the sixth inning, because Snell goes out, we all know what happens. Snell goes out, Dodgers hit, Wookie bets, lead, boom, we're rolling. Dodgers are going to win the world series. And then the eighth inning comes around and we get Justin Turner get taken out of the game. Like, wow, that is that is perplexing. Okay. Justin Turner's out. This wasn't, wasn't really much talked about. It's like, I, I, I don't know. There was a switch here. It was the eighth inning. Justin Turner's out. Okay. Ninth inning comes around. Dodgers win the World Series. Everybody's celebrating. We'll be right back with the trophy presentation. Dude, they come back, and the first thing we get is Justin Turner was removed from the game because he tested positive for COVID, and now everything is ruined. Everything. Rob Manfred's poor ass has got to stand up there getting booed by the crowd in the stadium. He's slurring his words. I actually, I, I didn't want to tweet this because I thought it was, I thought, so, I thought he was, I thought something was wrong with him. He said there was a, a he was, he said he's fine. There was an echo in the crowd, which is like, I, I, I get it. I've had that echo before. When you hear yourself talk back in a, like, like a split second later is very, very like jarring and confusing. So I get it. It's not like he was having Terramana talks right there as he was presenting the trophy though. I can't blame him if he was, because if someone had pulled him aside and said, Hey bro, Justin Turner had just test positive. We pulled him out of the game. I would have started drinking too. If I was Rob Manfred. So, like, that ruined, for me, that ruined everything. Because now it's like, if if Justin Turner tested positive, shouldn't the whole game have been stopped? Because now we're looking at a potential super spreader event. Okay, D'Lo, you're overreacting. Calm down. Stop watching CNN and all of these crazy, all of these crazy things. It's the flu. Like, okay. Okay, fine. I hear you. But should he have really come back out to celebrate? And so far, the only professional athlete, the only high-level professional athlete I have heard say he, he had no right to do that was on our show. It was Jessica Mendoza, ESPN MLB analyst, gold medal winner. She was like, I could completely sympathize. With Justin Turner in that situation. But under no circumstances should he have been out there. Under no circumstances should the Dodgers have let him out there. Under no circumstances should Major League Baseball have allowed him to be out there. And if there's a situation where he is, quote, emphatically refusing to follow protocol, bro, your security, grab his ass and take him back to the dugout. And take him back to the locker room. And take him back to whatever white-walled quarantine room you had him in. Throw his punk ass on a bus and get him out of there. But now everybody says, oh, Justin Turner. And Dave Roberts did the same thing, and I understand that. He's kind of protecting his player. Other players said it. Oh, he was such an important part of the team, though. Of course he needs to be out here celebrating with us. He was so vital to what we did. He's the longest-tenured Dodger, like. Okay. 
Okay. So I'm going to go drama queen here and say, worst case scenario. Another player gets it. I won't go Dave Roberts because that's low-hanging fruit as a cancer survivor. Uh, let's not go to Dave Roberts. Let's just say another player gets it. Okay? And maybe their mom's helping them out with the kids, and then their mom gets it, and something happens to the player's mom. Maybe something happens to the player's kid. I know we've been taught to believe that, oh, kids are immune to this. Okay. Play along with me here. Is the argument still if something happens to someone? Or let's, 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 I'm being too dramatic. My apologies. Let's tone down the drama and ask this. What if a sea of people get sick? Not die, just sick. Is it still all about what Justin Turner meant to the Dodgers organization? I'm just asking. I ain't on the team. I don't know. Do the players? I know what the players said publicly, and you got your teammates back. Fine. I mean, Justin Turner was such a microcosm of America. We are, collectively, not speaking to any individual, not speaking to any party affiliation. I'm saying we, collectively, are selfish, and for the most part, I believe, until you prove otherwise, most people are stupid. And Justin Turner exhibited selfishness and stupidity. And that's why this country is in the places that it's in, because of this virus. Selfishness and stupidity. In one moment in the World Series, Justin Turner encapsulated everything that this country has gone through since March. In one act. I deserve to be here. I have the right to be here. I helped this team win. I'm going to have my mask on, but I'm going to remove it because I'm vain and I don't want the World Series picture to be with me with a mask on because I'm selfish and I'm stupid. It's just amazing to me. Selfishness and stupidity. That's how the COVID virus should be defined. Selfishness and stupidity. 230,000 people have died. And when you think about the number of people have been, that have been infected, it's like, well, it's not, uh, that mortality rate isn't high enough for anybody to give a shit. Okay? Cool. You haven't lost anybody because of COVID. I see. I see why you feel the way that you do. You haven't been infected with COVID. Okay. I see why you feel the way that you do. That's Spencer Dinwiddie. Nah, you know what? Probably don't have access to Spencer Dinwiddie. He's a Brooklyn net. Probably don't have access to Von Miller, two guys who have said COVID beat the shit out of him. That's fine. I understand. You know who you have access to? You have access to Lena Washington. Ask her. Ask her what it was like when her dad was told to go back to work. Because Arizona, a swing state, decided it was going to open up. And her dad had to go back to work. If you don't know the story, I'll give you the very short version. Version: Lena Washington's dad died because of complications because of COVID nineteen. Ask her about wearing a mask. Ask her. You know, I, I 
hopefully you have followed the Be Heard platform on um, Instagram and Twitter. Hopefully you follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I did post it on on uh, my Instagram as well and Twitter. I just posted everywhere. The the video that we shot with with the young people that we mentored through the Be Heard uh, campaign, and we were all very aware that we're doing we're filming a video. And it's a kind of a socially conscious video, right? And so we were aware we've got to follow all protocols. We need to keep each other safe. We need to keep the, keep the people who are downtown safe. So we had Be Heard masks made. Or not, they're not masks. They're those things around your, that you, that you, I think they're called gaiters. They're the things that you wear around your neck and you pull up. Had those made. We all wore them. And I remember like at first, because I haven't seen Deuce and Moe in, I don't even know when. I don't know the last time I saw Deuce and Moe. The kids that we mentor, we'd never met them. You know, when we launched Be Heard back in July-ish, and we started our program with these young people, we had never met them before. We had, we've been in a number of Zoom conversations, and a number of Zoom you know, classes or discussions, but we had never met them. And so there was this weird thing where you, you see someone really for the first time and you, you want to hug them, but you're doing, you know, elbows and, you know, air high fives and you got these masks on and it was a, for a solid, I don't know, 10 minutes. It was weird. It's like, okay. And I'll tell you the truth. Like you guys know me, man. I'm, I'm a home dude. I stay home. Like I don't hang out. No bar interests me that much. No food is that much better that I need to eat at the restaurant versus eating at home. So I've been pretty, I've been pretty at home since March. And I can say with 100% certainty, when we shot that video, uh, at the time you're listening to that, well, I don't know at the time you're listening to this, but at the time I'm recording it, it was about a week ago, six days ago. And that was the most I had been out. That is the most people I had been around. Eh, the first time I had really been downtown. Now I've gone to like Burger Patch. You know, I go to Vibe. I've gone places, but I'm in and I'm out. I get what I need and I go. I do that. that, that, that I've, I've done that a number of times. But I've never like gone out and like walked around or been around or have stayed outside or have stayed around other people. And that's what I did. You know, that's what we did. That's it. And it, it, you get over it like quickly. And all I can, and as as the day wore along, and it was it, it wasn't a long day. I mean, we filmed from like nine to I don't know. I say we were there from roughly nine to twelve thirty, so that's a good three and a half hours, right? Like it 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 wasn't that big of a deal. It, it it felt by the end of it, it felt normal. It wasn't that big of a deal, and I just kept going back to man, there are people who are selfish enough and stupid enough. To just not put on a mask and say, ah, oh, it's no big deal. Like, I can I can in- inconvenience myself. And it's not even that big of an inconvenience. Like, I could throw this on for for an hour, for two hours, for three and a half hours. But that's no big deal. Like, what are, what are we doing? But here we are. And selfishness and stupidity. We believe, because someone said so, that the vaccine is a couple of weeks away. And it's going to wipe out the whole pandemic. This one vaccine is going to wipe out the whole pandemic. It's just a couple of weeks. 
What a coincidence. Fuck out of here. Yes, if you're asking yourself, my glass is almost empty. I know you ever notice I have a dude I love, one of my closest friends, his name is Sean. And when we used to have get togethers, I always knew when that you, you know, you you all we all have the friend where or maybe this maybe 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 it's not the friend, maybe you're the friend. Where once you hit like a certain level of alcohol consumption, the profanity rate increases. And my man, Sean, he's got a profanity rate that I monitor. Like when he starts using the F word and another word at a one-to-one ratio, it's like, oh, Sean is lit. Watch out the night, the night, the night about to turn up because, because Sean's on the one-to-one ratio. And for some reason is my glass of Terramana. I filled this thing up because there wasn't uh there wasn't a there was a very stiff glass left. And that's why I opened this podcast by saying before Tuesday, I need to get to the liquor store. Because not only am I out of Terramana, I'm out of Uncle Ernest, the whiskey I started drinking. It's a it's one of the it's one of the only black owned whiskey labels like I could find like widely distributed and it is dope oh my gosh man it is so good it is so good hey before we dive into other stuff can I mention there's a again I say these things because I recognize if you haven't left me yet you're probably you probably think along the ways along the way that I do like you're not a I know, I know that there's a, a couple of kind of more right-leaning people or Donald Trump people who, who listen. And I appreciate you. I do. But I think most of those people have kind of left. They're like, all right, I'm sick of his shit. I don't want to hear what him and his friend Kamara have to say. I don't, I don't want to hear their take on politics. I don't want to hear their take on the election. I don't want to hear how he throws some political... You know what I was thinking about? If... I don't think this is happening, PTSD, but if Biden wins, like, do we just go back to stop talking about politics? Because I feel like Trump has really, and keep in mind, I don't subscribe to, like, police violence, and I don't subscribe to police killings as political. That's not political. But talking about like presidential candidates and policies and who's supporting who and all of those things, do do we do that if Trump isn't reelected? Because Trump was some talking points for the last four years. Now I've always been super interested in politics. I started studying presidents during George W. Bush's election. That's that's the first election process that I really, really remember. And then of course, no, 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 not W, sorry, HW, Herbert Walker, George HW Bush. That's that was the 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 first one that I really in 1988. That was the first election season I really remember. For some reason, I really remember election night. And I can remember election night every year for I remember Bill Clinton's first one. I remember Bill Clinton's second one. I remember, I mean, everybody, I mean, 
Of course you remember. I remember Obama. Two things really stand out that night. There was no suspense. It was over very, very quickly. But the two things that I'll always remember about the night Obama got elected in 2008, I had what I still believe is the worst headache of my life. Now, I'm prone to headaches. I don't know why, like, you guys know me well enough. I eat really well. Um, But I've always been prone to, like, debilitating headaches. And I remember that day, went to yoga, which is a super, you know, manly thing to say. I went to hot yoga, and it was one of my first sessions. And I, I don't know if I didn't drink enough water or what it was, but I remember... Got to get to the class. Got to get back and start watching the returns. And again, the, the 2008, it wasn't close. Like, it was like 300-something electoral votes by, by the time Obama was giving his speech. And I remember that. I remember how sick I felt. Like, I felt awful. But I remember, like, I can't go to bed. I've got to stay up and see Obama speak. And then for maybe... I think Obama spoke for maybe like 17 minutes, 17, 18 minutes. I can't remember feeling any pain in that moment because I remember watching the TV so intently thinking he was going to get killed. And I, I don't, I know that's, I just, I'll never forget that. I sat there like as upright as you could possibly sit, like leaning forward Praying like, please don't get shot. And I saw the 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 you know the the things they set up the 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 bulletproof things that they you know they set up or, or around him. And you could hear during Obama's speech, which I actually watched this morning. You could hear during his speech. You could hear the helicopter. But still, I know it's in Grant Park. I know I I've been to Grant Park. I I've been to that spot. Like I saw how it was all set up. I still sat there thinking they're going to kill him. Someone's going to kill him. And I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm like, dude, please finish, please finish. And then he finishes with, you know, that timeless American creed. Yes, we can. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless these United States of America. And I'm like, okay, go. Nope. Out comes you know, Michelle and Malia and the kid, everybody's out. And here comes Joe and, you know, uh, Vice President Biden and everybody's out there. I'm like, God, get him off the stage. Like, get him off the stage. And I had the same feeling on Inauguration Day. All right. You know, the, that, that part where the president gets out and they do the walk. We're thinking, don't, don't get out. Like, please, God, don't let this man get out and start walking. And so when they did, they did an episode of, of Blackish. Where I think if I remember, I think the premise of the episode was, you know, they were it was kind of those yanked from the headlines thing where um, like a, 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 a black, per, you know, a, a, a black guy had been shot by police and they were, they're sitting around debating like it's 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 what you, if you've ever watched blackish blackish, it's what you'd expect of it. And I remember. Anthony Anderson said to Tracy Ellis Ross, the, you know, the characters, he said, do you remember all of the hope we felt 
when Obama was elected. And do you remember on inauguration day when he got out of the car? We thought someone was going to take all that hope away. And I like that hit me because it was like, I, I do. Like, I remember that. I don't know if Bo Johnson remembers it, but I do. And I remember that feeling. And it, and it, it wasn't like inauguration day. Like inauguration day, I was, I was just scared to death. I I was I I thought about it on on um, or or election day I was scared to scared to death on inauguration day I thought about it I was like oh god don't get out of the car like get in the car I know this is all planned like I know they have it set up like get in the car I like I just I I I've always had a such a um I don't know the the word isn't appreciation fascination I've had a fascination with politics and like how it works. Because, you know, there are people, probably a lot of us, who are, we want Biden's got to win. God, we need Biden to win. Yes. You know, for those of us who are, who are sick of you know, the things that are going on, who, who are sick of Donald Trump, I'm going to try to keep this as, as simple as possible. For those of us who are sick of Donald Trump, like, yes, you want Biden to win. But you know what you want almost as bad they, that people don't talk about because it's not nearly as sexy? Dude, you want the Senate. You gotta have the Senate. Because as we've learned with President Obama, if you don't have the Senate, there ain't nothing gonna get done. And that's the fascinating thing about politics. Like we joke, I joke. Other people make the joke. I'm not creative, I'm not original. Roger Goodell, he's a figurehead. Now, I don't wanna go so far as to say the president is a figurehead. But in a lot of freaking situations, he is. Now, there are executive orders and things like that. Like, of course, like the president can have ultimate, you know, he, he, he can make an ultimate call if he has to. But most things run through the Senate. It's like the owners, right? It's like Roger Goodell and the owners. Roger Goodell is a figurehead. The owners are who's in charge. Roger Goodell has got to take the figurative bullet for the owners who don't want to do it. And, you know, for every Jerry Jones, there's 10 guys who don't want their name known. Or, or, you know, they obviously everybody knows their name, but they don't want to be out there in the forefront. Jerry Jones wants to be out there in the forefront. Always. Jerry telling the radio guy to shut up was comical because Jerry's such an ass. That was my last drink. Well, at least my last drink of Terramana. Jerry Jones' comedy. And I feel horrible for Andy Dalton. Like, that was such a violent hit. Like, that, to me, that is such a suspendable offense. Like, when you, and, and Lamar Jackson took a nasty hit on Thursday Night Football, too, and it was a late hit that led to an injection. I think if you, you know, I know, People will say, like, if you hit someone in the first quarter and you're suspend or, or you're ejected, it's essentially a suspension. Man, I don't think late hits in football are de- are deterred enough because, like, there's so much unnecessary contact in football. Like, think about a football game, or or think about this: if you're listening to this show on Friday night or Saturday. Or you're listening to it Sunday morning before the games, or you're listening to it Monday. If you're listening to it at any point, as I'm making this point significantly more difficult than I need to watch the game and think about well that was unnecessary and I'm not talking about egregious I'm not talking about like 
I'm not talking about the 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 um Teddy Bridgewater hit or the or the Andy Dalton hit. I'm not talking about those ejectable offense type hits. I'm talking about just okay, you guys hit each other for no freaking reason. It's like these dudes get like super amped up and they can't wait to go out and hit somebody. And if they don't hit somebody, like they're gonna blow up. Like I there was a play with man, who did it? It was a I don't know if it was the Saints game. Not the Saints game. I, th- I don't know if it was the Rams game. It was the Rams game. It was Jalen Ramsey. Debo Samuel scores a touchdown. He's in the end zone. Jalen Ramsey, who is also in the end zone, is coming across. Again, both players are in the end zone. Debo catches it. Two, three steps. I don't know what. He catches it. He's in the end zone. He's running into the end zone. The plane is broken. Jalen Ramsey, again, who's in the freaking end zone, drills Debo, knocks him out, out of, out of, out of like, like knocks him down. Debo gets right back up. No big deal, I guess, to him. And the 49ers touchdown, he goes off and celebrates. And I kept looking at that like, dude, like, Ramsey wasn't it. Like, what, what the hell was that? Like Ramsey just he, he Jalen Ramsey just drilled the and it's unnecessary. There was no point in it. Watch a game, whether it's this weekend, on Monday or Thursday, whatever the next football game you watch, and look at how much unnecessary contact there is. And I think if you don't start suspending these guys like that shot Andy Dalton took, and I'm not you know, I laugh at the Dallas Cowboys failures because I, I revel in watching Jerry Jones lose. And I hope that dude never sees a Super Bowl championship as long as he's alive. Which, I don't want that to be, I hope, I hope Jerry Jones is alive for a long time. But I don't ever want that dude to see a championship. I want, to, I want him to wallow in his misery of losing for as long as humanly possible. That's what I want from Jerry. I, 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 but that hit on Andy Dalton was horrible. The hit on Teddy Bridgewater, the hit on Teddy Bridgewater was bad, especially because they felt the need to keep showing the replay of his neck contorting in an odd angle. But the hit against Andy Dalton was just, you have to start suspending players. And you have to start suspending players for lengthy periods in which they'll hold up. You can't have this arbitrary, um, what, what, what was my man? Vontez Perfect. Uh, and who was that? Miles Garrett. They're suspended for the rest of the season. Dude, come on. That is so arbitrary. They're suspended for the rest of the season because there's six games left, or they're suspended for the rest of the season because there's nine games left. There's never been a nine-game suspension. It's always like an even number. But these the, the NFL pulls these suspensions out of their ass, so they need to find a suspension for plays like this in which guys are eliminated for a long time. Guys are, are eliminated from the ability to play. For a long time. Because if you don't, you're going to keep seeing stuff like that. We saw that from a Sunday to a Thursday. Watch. You will be stunned at how much unnecessary contact in football there is. I'm looking forward to the Steelers and the Ravens this weekend. Hot take there, podcast guy. 6-0 and versus 5-1. and Yeah, everybody's looking forward to that. 
Ravens are struggling offensively. I, I, we were talking to Marshall Harris today, uh, or we were talking to Marshall Harris on Friday, depending on when you listen to this on D'Lo and Casey, and it was like, the, you know, the Ravens, they got a problem that they got to fix offensively. They got a problem they got to fix at the quarterback position, which is ironic because he's the freaking MVP of the league. And I agree. Lamar Jackson hasn't gotten into a rhythm yet. I think he's going to. He hasn't yet. I don't know that he's going to do it against Pittsburgh. But the last thing we saw against Pittsburgh was them giving up, what was it, 24? four points against the Tennessee Titans in quick order and the Titans missing a potential game-tying field goal near the end of regulation. The Patriots situation is interesting, too, as they're playing the Buffalo Bills. I still thought the Patriots were going to win the AFC East this year. Um, I'm not confident in that anymore. I mean, the Bills are, I mean, I mean, I think this, obviously this game could very well decide that if, if, if the Patriots lose, I don't know how they dig out of this hole. Now I'm not going to say they're like eliminated from the playoffs and the Patriots dynasty is over. Like, don't forget how many Patriots opted out of playing in this season, but obviously Cam hasn't had a particularly good year. Cam has had moments, you know, where Cam was okay throwing the ball. And when I say, okay, I mean, he would make the most out of, you know, Belichick giving him or or uh, Josh Daniels giving him like 15 attempts. But then he would run the ball really well for like seven yards a carry. Ah, that's what made Cam great through the first week. He had the huge week against Seattle, which as we've learned now headed into eight, eight weeks, uh, week eight, everybody has a huge game against Seattle. And then he goes into the COVID protocol or he goes onto the COVID list and, and nothing Nothing is quite worked out. Then they had that disastrous performance against the San Francisco 49ers last week. So I, I, I don't know. You know, Cam, Belichick, they thought, oh, we practice. We need practice time. Okay. You got practice leading into the 49ers game, and it didn't work. Now you've got this game against the Buffalo Bills. You got the Raiders and the Browns. These are the two teams. I, I The Raiders... They got me that first game when I saw Josh Jacobs get the ball. You know, maybe it was close to 20 times, close to 100 yards, like 90-something. I think it was 92 yards. I can't remember how many carries he had. But that first week, I was like, oh, oh, we're a running team. We're going to give Josh Jacobs the ball? I like Josh Jacobs. We saw, you know, Derek Carr was like 20 of 25 of that game. He was like super efficient. Oh, I like this. I'm in on this. They had that win against Kansas City. Like, aha. Aha. I like it. And then not so much. You know, they're still sitting here at three and three, which is which <laughs> which is what John Gruden is. He is, for the most part, a five hundred coach. That's what he is. He is a 10-year, $100 million, 500 coach. Damn. He is a rich Jason Garrett. That's what he is. John Gruden is a rich Jason Garrett. And I don't know what the hell the Browns are. This might be... This might be that eighth playoff spot right here. Or, or not eighth. That might, this, this might be the seventh playoff spot. This might be the extra playoff spot. Right here, the Browns versus the Raiders. Because the Browns have beaten the Bengals twice. 
The Browns, I think they've beaten a couple of teams in the 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 NFC East. You and I could beat a couple of teams in the NFC East. And their one quality win against the four and two Indianapolis Colts. They're five and two on the year. Odell Beckham is out for the year. That's I mean, that sucks. I don't you know, I don't think it's a death blow though. It sucks, and I hate it for Odell, but it's not a death blow. Like Odell hadn't they they it's hard getting marquee receivers involved. And for some reason, I just I think there is a chemistry involved with Odell, and I think there's a chemistry involved with a quarterback and a star receiver. And I don't think Odell and Baker have it. They had a great game at one point this year. I think Baker Mayfield, sorry, I think Odell Beckham Jr. had his best game as a Cleveland Brown a couple of weeks ago. I don't even know that he had 100 yards receiving, but he had he he it was it, it was uh it was always oh, it, it was against the Cowboys. Because, well, the Cowboys' defense, the Cowboys' defense is equally as bad as the Seahawks' defense, so everybody has a big game against them. Odell Beckham Jr.'s best game as a Cleveland Brown was against that awful Dallas Cowboys' defense. We scored on the reverse. Dude, it, it was awesome play. Amazing game from Odell. But his highlights kind of in there. And I, for whatever reason, and I don't know what it is, I don't think that Baker and Odell have that chemistry. And I hate that Odell is out for the year. I hate it for him. But I don't think it's harmful to the, to, to the Cleveland Browns. Now, if I were to counter my own argument, it would be say, hey, D'Lo, you know, there's just more attention on Jarvis Landry. And that's a fair point. But maybe this gives Baker Mayfield a little bit more, like a little bit more space to find guys outside those two star receivers. And I think we saw that in the in the in the game the 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 Browns won last week. I think I'll leave it at that. We got a bet. <laughs> the football team is off this week. Okay, football team is off this week. The other three NFC East teams are playing in prime time. The Cowboys versus the Eagles for first place in the NFC East. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are taking on the New York Giants. They're in New York on Monday. That sucks. I have no interest in watching that game. No interest whatsoever in watching the Bucs and the Giants. Partly because I'm not on the, the Bucs pirate ship yet. I mean, I, I, I recognize it's getting really difficult to deny how good they are. And what I, what I think is great about them, it isn't Antonio Brown joining them next week. It's not... Brady, Gronk, Fortnite, it's none of that. Dude, it's that freaking defense. That defense is really, really good. So if we're going to use the argument, well, okay, I'm going to hold off on this because I was going to make a Peyton Manning-Denver Broncos comparison. Tom Brady's playing well. He's playing well. But I don't think that's what is making them 5-2. and two. I don't think that's what has them like as a potential Super Bowl favorite. I know everybody gets enamored by Tom Brady and Robert Gronkowski. He's Robert Gronkowski in name alone. Name alone. He's not. He's not. He's not the Hall of Famer, Robert Gronkowski anymore. Brady, I think, still is. Fournette's, you know, Fournette. He, he's not a Hall of Famer by any stretch of the imagination. But the reason this team is dangerous is because of that defense. 
That team is really, really dangerous because of that defense. All right. My cupeth is empty, and that's my big big little ice cube there that's it's just rattling around making noise. Thanks so much for tuning in, as always. Uh, please check out the other podcasts on the Be Her podcast platform. Check out our new podcast, Build Black, that I do with Kendra Montgomery Block and Barry Axius. Uh, it's a fantastic discussion. We're talking about, I mean, the first two episodes, you know, the, the, the podcast launched last week. Obviously, the first two things we were talking about, we're talking about the election. Uh, the next episode, which I think I noted I recorded earlier today, it's going to come out on Tuesday. So uh, take a listen to that. And let me know what you think. We're, we're putting out a new app called Build Black, the Build Black Coalition. And we explain what the Build Black app is. And, I, and, and you might remember the name Build Black as a part of, uh, you know, the Sacramento Kings were really behind that. And it was kind of birthed out of one of the protests at the Golden One Center, which we explain in great detail on the first episode of Build Black. So please go check out those podcasts. Please check out uh, Snack Time with Mac and Ash. Check out Sean and Vaughn. Uh, I did their most recent episode with those guys where we talked about the best players in the NBA and the WNBA, and, and, and that was a lot of fun. Snack Time with Mac and Ash. They posted a new episode today. Dude, they're so fun, man. Take a listen to them. If, you just, if you're not into politics and all of that stuff, first of all, sorry. Second of all, this is a happy podcast. Like, it's so much fun. They're talking about, like, Halloween candy and snacks. Like, they're both great, great personalities, and their charisma just oozes uh, out of the podcast. So go take a listen to that. Of course, Monday through Thursday, you can check out Deuce and Moe, the J Street Vibes podcast, the Dope Ones with my man Donnie Ramsey. Take a listen to that as well. And I appreciate you so much. If you're a subscriber to Relive, you might have noticed that podcast disappeared. It lives exclusively on the Patreon platform, um, I needed to just clear space. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do a new relive for a while. If I do, it's going to go to Patreon just because of the amount of work it takes. And if you want to support us, go to Patreon. And when I say us, I mean Be Heard. Your donations on Patreon are 100% tax deductible. Be Heard is now a nonprofit, and we're trying to raise money. Uh, we've got a lot of amazing things that we're trying to do with the Be Heard platform that just far, far, far exceed uh, any sort of podcasting. Um, so we appreciate uh, all of your support. I appreciate you for listening. I appreciate you checking out all of the other Be Heard podcasts, and I hope that you will turn in, uh, tune in. Man, I need, another, I need another glass here. I hope that you will tune in Monday through Friday, ESPN 1320, or on your radio.com app. Just download it. Search ESPN 1320. Hit the heart button. You can listen to me and Kenny Caraway. You can listen to D'Lo and Casey live and on demand Monday through Friday. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, remember, the next episode of the Vote Like Your Life Depends On It series comes out on Monday. Uh, so be prepared for that. Uh, I hope you'll take a listen to it. Oh, and just one more small little note. I'm going to repeat this on Tuesday on the radio show. Uh, this will be the last time I talk to you before the election. Uh, not counting Monday show that's already recorded, but I know we are going to have super high emotions, no matter what the result is. Be careful what you tweet. Be careful what you post on social media. That stuff lives, no matter who you think you're talking to. Don't think about who you're talking to. Think about who might see it later. So that's just a little piece of advice. I'm saying that to you because I got to remind myself. That's all it is. Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time here on the podcast with Damian Barling.